Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Come on, pick and roll! 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Terms apply. You're getting the most out of being at a game with American Express. The card member entrance, the lounge, and now tip-off. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. Welcome into another edition of the Hangtime Podcast. I'm your host, Seku Smith, here in Atlanta. Uh, coming to you on a on a somber day in, in the wake of the passing of NBA legend Kobe Bryant. His 13-year-old daughter, Gianna, and seven other people on a, in a helicopter crash in Calabasas, California, uh, on Sunday. In, in an effort to make sure we keep things in perspective, I wanted to have a conversation with a couple of my, my oldest and best friends who cover the league and who have had experiences with Kobe that a uh, few others have. Mark Spears of ESPN's The Undefeated, and Michael Lee of The Athletic join me on a very special and, and as I mentioned, somber edition of the Hangtime Podcast, talking about Kobe Bryant, his life and times, um, 41 years on this earth that we got a chance to really experience, you know, one of the greatest athletes we've ever seen and one of the truly special people. So I hope you take something away from it and I hope you enjoy it and, uh, and make sure you understand that we're sending our prayers and thoughts and our condolences to all of the families affected. So we're here, uh, two of my, my favorite guys, my oldest friends in the league. Um, two guys I would have talked to when something, you know, gut wrenching happens in general, I would have talked to them offline so I definitely want to talk to him here on the Hangtime Podcast. Mark Spears of ESPN's The Undefeated. Michael Lee of Yahoo Sports, formerly, but now of The Athletic. <laughs> um, you know, I know you I know y'all have kept up with him over the years throughout their careers. I just fellas, I I, I thought about both of you when the news came down Sunday about Kobe Bryant and the eight other people that perished in that helicopter crash in Calabasas, California. Mark, I called you and you answered the phone and freaked me out because when I called you, before you said hello, before you said anything, you said, is it true? And as soon as you said that, I I knew. I was like, oh, no, it must be true. I was like, this must be real. Um, Man, I'm in such a fog. I was in such a fog. I don't even remember that conversation, bro. (laughs) Yeah, I mean... But just the gravity yeah. of it, like, dude, when when that hit, what, where were you at? Where were you at, Mike? Where where were you at when you heard it? Uh, I was just, uh, I actually was in the midst of like uh, feeding my son lunch, and I just went and checked my phone because it was buzzing, and I was like, "What's happening?" And then I was like, "What? No way!" Because I was just in Philadelphia the night before. I mean, I'm in Philadelphia now, but I was in I was at the game the night before where LeBron passed Kobe for third all-time scoring list. And I had just written a column because I got a chance to talk to Allen Iverson about it. And, you know, he was talking about just the GOAT 
and how, you know, he put Kobe in that mix, you know, with LeBron and, and, um, and MJ and saying it's a coin flip. And he was just telling me a great story, you know, about, you know, how, how he you know, admired LeBron. And uh, so I, I just written a column and LeBron had just shared all these, you know, tales about his experience with Kobe Bryant and what it meant for him to pass him. And so we had just written all, you know, just spent this time with LeBron kind of going about Kobe and, and just to see like the next day, like the, like not even 24 hours from having that conversation with LeBron to all of a sudden seeing that Kobe's gone. And I was just like, this has got to be a joke. Like there's no way this is real. And I kept waiting for something to refute it. I kept waiting for something to say that it wasn't true. And I just kept scrolling and waiting on my Twitter feed. And I was like, I'm just waiting on some confirmation that this isn't true. And then I kept getting more confirmations that it was true. And then I just kind of sat there frozen. And I just didn't know what to say. I didn't know what to do because it just didn't feel real. And even now I'm still kind of struggling with it because, you know, this is somebody that I've, since I've been covering the league, it's just he's had a presence and he's always been there. And it's just weird that, that he's gone and it just doesn't feel real. Yeah, I um uh I guess for me, uh it was like you 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 switch your I, I didn't give myself a chance to like grieve at that moment because you know, first I I started getting a text about the T M Z report and TMZ's at a play. If TMZ's in LA with a story, I believe it. So when I saw that they came out with it, I'm like, yeah, it's probably true. Um, so in the midst of, you know, and I met Kobe when he was a rookie in '96, and you know, got closer to him after, you know, I started covering NBA in '99. Um, had a lot of you know good personal moments with him, um, but. Uh, my, I get a call from my editor, Matt Wong, who I preface by saying is doing his job. And, and you guys understand this. I mean, I'm like, you know, this is our business. And so as I'm trying to process what I believed uh, uh, tragically happened, um, but it's yet to be confirmed, like he's calling me, asking me, am I prepared to write? <laughs> Which is, you know, it's horrible, you know, but as you guys know, it's it's our job, man. Like, yeah. And and what made it different is there there have been you know legends, basketball giants that uh, you know we've all written about when they've passed, but typically they're you know elderly. <clears throat> they're not this young, you know. We didn't. We we saw them as, as kids, watching them on TV, or even were before that time. Not somebody we you know broke bread with, spent time with, joke with, laugh with, got cursed at by. You know, it, it, <laughs> it's, it's you know never never been like that. So um, I I think I just almost got hidden in trying to write this column and. So it probably took me about six, seven hours to write it. And, you know, I, I have to give my boy Michael Eves off. And he's family to us, too. Like him and Zubin, they did a wonderful job, and you know, under horrible circumstances. And I'm watching, you know, I got ESPN on in the background, ESPN on, 
watching Michael talk about this for three hours, knowing he knowing personally that he knows him too. Um, so I think the first day was just sombering, but adrenaline because I, you had to get like switch your mind to do your job. And then Monday, that's when it like really, really the reality of it hit, you know, um, and it got to the point where I, I didn't want to go on my phone. I didn't want to turn on the TV, you know, um, my wife is showing me stuff and I asked her not to, you know, like I, I just, it, it's, it's like different, like for us. Cause you know, there's levels of knowing Kobe, you know, obviously, you know, my condolences to, I, I can't even fathom what his wife and family is going through, but, um, there's so many different levels of people that knew him because he was so great at making people, connect to him like like no other like I would see him he would get scouting reports for people he would meet after game as stars do because they're always meeting somebody like he was like the uh, posing shooting guard man and when he'd come out and know about them and if they were nervous by the time they're finished they felt like they're they met a new friend um so he just connected with so many people worldwide people that met him for two minutes, people that had time with him like we did, people like, you know, stars, family. You know, there's so many millions of people that he connected with, but for the people that actually knew him like we did, like, it's just surreal. It was too much. It was a nightmare. I knew it wasn't going to go away, but, you know, it it, kind of hit me Monday for sure. Yeah. Um... It's 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 tough for me. Um, I mean, we're, we're fathers, husbands, brothers, sons, you know, whatever. First, and I, you know, my wife and I were driving home from visiting our kids in college. You know, our oldest two are in college, so we had spent the day before eating dinner with the kids and their friends, making jokes, you know, and just enjoying them for a hot second, just a quick drive-by visit just to check on and and so I got the word on the ride home my phone I'm in the passenger seat you know trying to catch a little cat nap while my wife is driving thank goodness because I'm horrible driving past an hour and um my phone started going off and she's like your phone's she's like kind of woke me up she's like your phone's somebody's texting you and I like picked it up and the first text I saw was from a, a friend of mine who I had just seen, sat sat next to at a at a college basketball game the night before. We had sat and talked throughout the whole game. And he was like, please tell me this news is about Kobe. It's not true. And I was like, news about Kobe. Um, so I, you know, I, I looked at my phone and I leaned my head back. And the first thing I thought was, oh, this can't be good. So I looked it up, saw the TMZ report, and was just shocked. And, and like I said, I I think I dialed you. You was the first number I called, Mark. You know, because I'm thinking if something has happened in in our world, NBA world, you know, you, Mike, uh, Mike Wells, Art, you all would be the first people I call just on a personal level. Yeah. And uh, man, but, it, but the thing cool, that, I the didn't thing even want to, I didn't even want to check, man. I didn't even want to check. So I, yeah, I don't know if you like text anybody to check, Mike, like in the NBA office or with the Lakers, but I 
I didn't even have it in me to check, bro. Five. No, I, I didn't either. I, I didn't. I didn't. I, I didn't want to believe it. And you know, even yeah. you know, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. However, I just I'm still when I, I they have the graphic up 1978 to 2000. I mean, to 2020. I'm still looking at it like, why are they cut? <laughs> this man's dead. Yeah. You know, like I'm serious. Like I look at it and, uh, and it's hard mainly because, you know, I know that 41 is not the time to say farewell. You know. Um, I, and I saw, I've been thinking the last couple of days, like, what if my life had been taken from me at that age? Like, what would I have not been able to experience, you know? And it's not, I'm not that much older than him, but, you know, I, I think about it now when I, you know, I'm fortunate to have a son now and I can look at him and, and I don't know, like, I don't, I, I want to be here for him. You know, I want to have a chance to see him grow up and, and have a, have a nice life. And, um, and I feel bad that, you know, Kobe's children, especially like his six month old daughter, she's never going to know him, you know, um, and the fact that, you know, he died with his daughter and it just to leave behind, you know, so much for, for Vanessa and, and everyone else to kind of deal with is I just can't imagine it because it's just such an unfathomable pain to have to deal with, you know, knowing that, you know, death is real, but also that, you know, there he was powerless. You know, he had the financial means to have a helicopter and, um, and you know, and, and fly everywhere he wanted to go. But, you know, he wound up being a victim of his own celebrity in that respect because he, nobody else was allowed to even take a helicopter that day because of the fog. But Kobe was given that, that right because he's Kobe Bryant. And you just think about all these things and, like, you want to be a protector for your family. You want to do everything in your power to make sure that they're safe and that, that they're being taken care of. And then you realize that there's some things that are just are not in your control because, you know, like I said, I, I never thought, I never even co contemplated, you know, not having Kobe around at some, some point, you know? Um, and now that he's gone, it's like, wow, like you really know that it all could be taken from you. And, um, and you don't, and you really can only do so much, but like, if you call, you know, you can't, can't do anything about it. Yeah. Uh, uh, Mark, let me ask you something. And Mike, I'm going to ask you the same. Um, so many people reach out to me, like, just because they know I have covered the league for all these years. Like, they they understood what kind of tragedy this was for us, just being people in, in that NBA ecosystem. Um, right off the bat, like, friends of mine that aren't sports fans, but know I work covering the NBA my oldest sister, who is not a sports fan, but has granddaughters who all play basketball. And when she heard about Kobe and Gigi, his daughter, who, who died in the, in the helicopter crash, she immediately thought about me. And I'm like, my wife was crying, which I didn't cry because I'm. my mother passed away in 2011. That was the last time I shed tears for somebody passing away. It's, it's kind of dried up that part of me. But I was I was stunned at the reaction of so many people beyond basketball, beyond our our environment that we're in all the time. Um, but what was the most surprising reaction you got from somebody else, Mark, when they heard about the news and you talked to them? Um, I I don't know if it's surprising, but it was still beautiful to watch is the world reaction. You know, like there was my friend's reaction, my family reaction, 
Um, but then, I mean, you know somebody special when they're honoring you at soccer games in other countries, right. you know. Um, you know, y'all ain't soccer people, but I'm soccer people, so you know I pay attention <laughs> to <this> stuff. <laughs> you know, seeing Neymar, seeing that, you know, a, a, a match in, in Italy or or seeing that, like, a painting – uh, is put on a basketball court in the Philippines. In, in, you know what I mean? Like the impact that he had globally is just absolutely stunning to me. Um, you know, he was going to, when we, I went to India last year with the Kings and the Pacers. And first time the NBA has ever had, you know, teams there. And, Luke Walton, who, you know, coaches the Kings and Kobe's former teammate, was saying, Kobe came here years ago. <laughs> like, like we're, <laughs> we're coming here now, but, man, he came here a long time ago. He And then they're like, so why did he come? He's like, Kobe said, how many people you – do you know how many people live in India? Like, he was just so, like, ahead of the game, so out of the box. Like, he was going to China before – players were going to China in droves and <clears throat> going to Europe. And, you know, perhaps that was part of his, one of the blessings he had was, I, I think, you know, spending his youth, much of his youth in Italy and seeing our world globally where much of us like, shoot, man, I think the only time I went uh, out of the country when I was a kid, we went to Tijuana in Vancouver. <laughs> like that, that don't count, you know what I mean? So, I mean, but he he just had uh, this global view and this ability to to make people like feel like they got to know him and and fall in love with him in in a way that I've never seen. Like, hey man, I, we could our business is to debate to the end of time, but like I lived in Los Angeles for a couple of years. I know the stars of the no city in the world has more stars that come in and out of Los Angeles than Los you know, than I mean than LA, you know. Entertainers, uh musicians, athletes. I I think he is the greatest entertainer of all time to come through that city. The most beloved one of all time. I Never known them to love anybody more than him in Los Angeles. And that, I'll be in L.A. on on Friday, and I'm, you know, dreading going by Staples because, you know, that whole city is mourning, bro. Like, yeah. like nothing yeah, I, other. I can't imagine and, being there for that game. Yeah. It's yeah, going to be sad. I, it's going to be like a game. funeral. Yeah. But, but, but you know what? To the NBA's credit, I'm glad they didn't play on Tuesday, man. They, they, that could yeah. happen. Like, I... Yeah, I, I talked to Phil Handy, one of their assistant coaches, who um, he he was working Gigi out like two weeks ago, and also one of the the young girl ladies that passed away too, one of her teammates in the, in the crash, you know, just two weeks ago. So you know he he like pulled over on Monday when we talked and pulled over and was crying on the side of the freeway. And I like yo, and I tweeted it out. I don't know if you guys said. It. I'm like, they can't play, man. It's, it's yeah, different in Los Angeles, yeah. and I don't. You no, know, I well, think it's not even. Like, it's not well, even just Kobe, the basketball. 
No, yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead and finish. No, I mean, like, yeah, I mean, that people forget that in L.A. it's different. He he is the favorite son of L.A. He's been there since he was 17. People in that franchise have known him for over 20 years. So it was, it was deeper than just the players and the coaching staff. He had people that, like, known him for a long time. I, I, I would have been horrible to ask the PR guru, Allison Bogley, and ask, you know, people that have been in that franchise for a long time or people like Phil who uh, knew his daughter, you know, asked them to go to work yesterday, man. I, 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 I'm so glad that they didn't play. And I think Friday certainly is going to be emotional, but I also think because at least a couple of days have passed, it, it, it will be more celebratory than it would have been last night. Yeah, I was going to jump in just to say that it's not even just the Lakers staff, it's the Staples Center people, you know, who yeah. Kobe touched as well. I mean, it wasn't just, you know, people that, that had purple and gold. It's just the security guard, just the people that were, you know, at the arena every day uh, that he showed up. Um, that's 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 what that's who all had to work, you know. Um, and I think that that's that's what I think the league did a great job and considering everybody involved, not just his. Uh, you know, not just people who wear the uniform, but everybody who has some connection to making sure the game, you know, uh, you know, is played. You know, so I, I thought it was a, a beautiful gesture, and I, I still don't know how, you know, everybody, you know, there is going to move forward um, because, you know, obviously, you know, basketball always is going to be, you know, the sanctuary for people. It's going to be the place of comfort and peace. But what do you do when, you know, in your place of comfort and peace, every time you look up, you're going to see 8 and 24. You're always going to have a reminder uh, that he's gone and that he's gone way too soon. And um, and I think that's probably going to be the saddest thing, you know. And, you know, Mark, you, you mentioned a point earlier about how, you know, Kobe had a way of making, you know, you feel special just from coming in contact with him. And, and I always wonder if that's something that he sort of just developed over time when you consider – you know, he moved to Italy at a young age and was like this young African-American boy in Italy where he had to make connections with people <laughs> who didn't speak the same language and had to adjust to that. And then, you know, very finally, you know, and, you know, just immersed himself into basketball and becoming the best, you know, because that's all he had to sort of motivate himself and to keep him going in this strange place. And then, you know, he becomes a teenager and he moves right back to America. And he's in Philadelphia area and he feels like an outsider there after just going through the experience of being outside in Italy and, you know, having to, you know, force himself to sort of make connections with people, new people uh, in, in another place where he didn't, wasn't necessarily initially, you know, accepted. And, you know, when you think about the motivations that he had to be the greatest ever, you know, it was sort of a, a singular, um, you know, uh, you know, focus, you know, and it was alienating because he, pushed out anybody that wasn't, you know, going to help in that, in that regard and, and helping him reach that individual goal and that, and try to, you know, reach that purpose. And you just saw that maniacal approach that he had, the competitiveness, the hard work, the drive, all the things that pushed him, that made you respect him, even if you didn't necessarily like him. And, uh, and you know, he, it, he just reached this level of greatness. And I just felt like his last year in the league, it just felt like the most free I ever saw him. It was a... Uh, the most uh, loose and carefree that I ever seen him because he had just had this ex level of acceptance that he had 
given all that he could to this game, you know, and you saw the poem, the dear, dear basketball poem and all these things. And those things always seemed completely sincere to me because I felt like he had nothing more to chase. You know, there was nothing, no more rings to chase, no more respect to chase, no more any of that. You know, he had done it all, but then he had sort of found that purpose. He sort of figured out that what that success had, you know, what he acquired with that success, you know, having, you know, generations idolizing him and, and, you know, making him their hero and glorifying him because of the success he had on the court. But he had a responsibility that came with that to reach back, to reach down, to help up, you know, uh, younger players, to give them encouraging words, to motivate them during their lowest points. And uh, there's been stories that have been coming out all week, but I, and I knew of some even before they were, you know, discuss, you know, in, in, uh, in regards to his death, where he reached back and, you know, helped guys, you know, help Paul George after his, after he broke his leg. He's one of the first people to reach out after he broke his leg, you know, in, in the, um, at the team, team USA scrimmage, you know, when Isaiah Thomas, you know, when his sister passed, um, you know, during the playoffs, you know, Kobe was one of the first people to reach out to him. They didn't really have a relationship, but Kobe reached out. And not only did he try to help him get over the grieving, he actually, you know, watched film with him and broke down game film to get Isaiah Thomas's mind off of, you know, him grieving his sister so he could just focus on basketball. And you could just find just so many guys around the league where Kobe sort of became this big brother or this godfather type figure. And um and to me I thought that was sort of the a beautiful, you know, start of just his evolution and just what he was becoming. And you know he had a vision to dominate Hollywood and, you know, he won an Oscar and he's going to have a, the Mamba Skills Academy to help, you know, players develop and, you know, being their best person. And it's like he invested so much energy into his own individual greatness. And then he was like, okay, I'm going to help my daughter. I'm going to invest in her. And I want to make, I want her to, you know, she loves this game. She's passionate about it. I'm going to, you know, use every resource I can to make sure that, that she can excel and be the, her best person. And I think that's what contributed to all this sadness is that you know that this guy who had this indomitable will, this guy who was so determined to be the greatest that, you know, he just looked past it all. You know, he had the audacity to think he could come out of high school to play, you know, in the NBA. He had the audacity to think that he could go to Los Angeles and become a bigger star than Shaq and become so so revered he could push Shaq out so he could take over and, and run L.A. all to, all by himself. I mean, he had all this going for him. So he had this next phase of life, and you knew he was focused on wanting to dominate it. And just not even, you know, four years after he retired, he's in this mode, he's in this peaceful place, and he's gone. I'm just like, it's just, it's devastating, man. It's, it's, it's really heartbreaking because I know that in a couple of weeks, he's going to be announced as a Hall of Famer. And I had just been telling somebody the night before, like I said, when LeBron passed uh, Kobe, I was like, I can't wait to hear Kobe Bryant's Hall of Fame speech. Because I know he's probably going to be somebody who yeah. doesn't necessarily be like, you know, MJ and get up there and just blast everybody from his past. He was going to really yeah, well, move everything Mike, forward. Mike, a, Go ahead. I'll interrupt you. And this kind of makes me laugh, too, man. Like, only Kobe could have a goodbye speech that's animated. Right, like he's just yeah. <laughs> like I was like I went to his uh, retire. I mean, the, the Jersey retirement. And I'm like, this dude just did his speech with animation. 
something else. You know what I mean? Like, he, didn't, he didn't even talk. He just yeah. like, all right, play the tape, roll the tape. I'm like, wow. On another level. <laughs> he might have did that again. He might have, like, we got a uh, play that's going to come out and tell my story. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I have a Broadway like, musical he, performance. He, 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 yeah, he didn't do nothing normal, man. Like he just, like he just had a cartoon yeah. telling, say goodbye to everybody, man. It just, it just <laughs> big, hopefully, like that'd be great if they played that. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, I, I don't know who Did, is worthy of speaking for him, other than I don't know, perhaps his wife. You know, know who I don't know if she would have. Yeah, the, the, I don't know who could get through it to do that, but. Yeah. yeah. Um, did, but, I mean, um, did you guys see? Did you guys see TNT? Um, Jerry West, Shaq. You know, obviously Charles Barkley, Kenny Smith, Ernie Johnson, but then also Dwayne Wade, yeah. and then Rick Fox and Derek Fisher. Man, it like I heard a lot of people talk, but then to see his former teammates and what yeah. and them recount what they went through, to what it meant, how it sounded, and y'all have y'all have had these conversations. Brian Shaw has, you know all these people who have played with Kobe know him differently than the average person. So y'all have heard some of these stories about how rough he was to deal with at, you know, 17, 18, 19 years old. And then yeah. to see the appreciation they have for him as a man. Nah, man it, oh, nah, he, he, I, he, I didn't he, have a hard he, time until last night watching that. Yeah. Well, he, he wasn't no, uh, he was always some tough dude, man. Like, but like I was talking to Phil Handy yesterday like, one thing about Kobe, he tests you to see kind of how you would respond, you know. And Phil was telling me a story about how he basically took the job as an assistant coach with the Lakers in 2011 because the opportunity to work with Kobe. And he said he was refereeing one day and he wasn't calling a lot of fouls and Kobe thought he got fouled every time. And um, he said Kobe threw a basketball at his head, man, <laughs> <laughs> during the practice. And I said, so what would you do? He said, oh, I got the ball, and I threw it back at him. And I, and I started saying, I'm from Oakland, man. I don't play that. I don't play that. And then he said, Mike Brown told the to calm down and everything. And then so afterwards, he said he was mad, referring the rest of the scrimmage and um also was thinking, man, Kobe don't like me. I'm trying to figure, you know, I'm trying to figure out my way with this franchise. And he said after practice, <laughs> Kobe, <laughs> Kobe ran up to him, smacked him on the ass, and said, "Hey, man, way to stand up for yourself." You know. <laughs> 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 and I, you know, I remember, you know, him, him having some tough game. I don't know if you guys remember in the the Phoenix series. Um, oh yeah. And I had, I call it the, you got to ask a question where you got to, I call it jumping on the grenade, man, where, you know, it's not going to be a fun question to ask, but somebody got to ask it. And I remember I asked him something, man. He cursed me out for everybody, you know, <laughs> and, uh, you know, but I like, Hey, if it's a good quote, I'll jump on the grenade. You know what I mean? Like, I'll, I'll ask the question. <laughs> <clears throat> and I always think kind of he he respected the fact that even though me and him was cool, that I would, you know, 
I, I, I could ask that question. You know what I mean? Like that I had, I was doing my job, man. It wasn't personal. You know, I was, yeah. we got to ask tough questions sometimes. So, um, he just had this unique ability to, you know, there's one thing about wanting to be good. And there's another thing about wanting to be great. We hear kids talk all the time about wanting to play in the NBA, but, how many of them are going to show up to the practice arena at 5.45 in the morning, 5.30 in the morning like him yeah. to work yeah. out? You know, you know what I mean? Like, there's a reason why yeah. he was who he was, you know? Uh, he just – he worked not just harder than everybody. He worked harder than – like, you should have worked. You know what I mean? He worked more than humanly possible to become special. <laughs> Yeah. What'd you say? I said he no, wanted he you said to know it too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, you know, he could be uh, cocky because he he put the work in. You know what I mean? He, he knew it. he was good. Yeah, he earned it. Like, yeah, like I would ask y'all, man. Like, and I'm I'm talking about like the late two thousand, you know, before two thousand ten, like two thousand eight, two thousand nine, two thousand ten. That dude, man, that swag he had when he came on the floor, bro. Like, the only person, everybody was like, the only person I thought that wasn't scared of him was Pierce. Everyone else was yeah. scared of him, man. And it wasn't like he was some crazy dude. It wasn't like he was Debo, you know, some crazy dude from the hood. He was just so good, man, so in your face, letting you know what the deal was. Like, they just, he... I I've never been. I mean, we we caught Michael Jordan and, and Michael. You probably I think you might have seen him in in a wizard uniform I a lot more than I did. But yeah, so we saw Jordan at the end. So I we didn't see. I saw Jordan play in person once with the Bulls, but never as a reporter. Um, no question. With all due respect to LeBron James and everybody else, Durant and Curry and blah blah blah. Kevin Garnett. I I'd never seen anybody more competitive than him. Yeah, I mean, one thing, you know, um, I, I just, I, I'm going to be honest, I hated him, man, when he first entered the league, you know, because <laughs> I, I remember when he declared for the draft and, you know, he had, he was at, out at, uh, you know, at his high school and he had the sunglasses on his head. And I was like, man, who is this clown? Who do you think he is? He's going to come to the NBA out of high school as a shooting guard, make it out of here. Who's how arrogant? How arrogant must you be? And and then you know I was like, man, I, I didn't. I wasn't room for him to fail because I, I was like, I didn't have to. Like he wasn't going to succeed in the NBA coming out of high school. He was going to be eaten alive. And and then like I I didn't like him. And then like there was all this hype around him. He wound up taking Brandy to the prom. And I was like, man, this dude, make it, make it this dude out of my TV, man. And then he wound up getting drafted. Yeah, you can't, by my you don't don't team. forget the rap. Don't forget the rap. Oh yeah, the rap too. Yeah, yeah. But then he got drafted by my favorite team. I was a Laker fan, man. I was I loved oh, the Lakers. And Eddie Jones was my favorite player at that time. And so I was like, man, I don't I don't I, I guess I'll I'll tolerate this dude. But I I mean Eddie's my guy, you know, they got Shaq now. I I'll, I'll ride with him. And then, yo man, they gonna push Eddie out for this dude. And once they traded Eddie Jones, I was done with the Lakers. I I, I ended my fandom of them. I I, I cut them off, and that was the end. 
And uh, and I remember I had a friend at the time was like, man, don't don't come back when they start winning championships. I was like, oh, I won't. I'm done. I'm done. They got rid of my boy. I'm done. And it actually worked out to be perfect because, you know, I, I wanted to cover the NBA. And, you know, at that point, I, I, and when I started covering the league, I was out of it. You know, um, you know, in terms of being a fan, uh, I, I could just root for the game. I could be a fan of the game as opposed to one team. And um, and so I was like, okay, you know, Kobe kind of helped me in that, that respect because I, I, I was no longer a Lakers fan. <laughs> but when I started covering the league, um, I mean, I, and I hated him too. Like I was like, this dude shoots so selfish. He shoots all the dog on time. He won't get up all the Shaq. Like, oh, he's riding Shaq's coattails to these championships. <laughs> That's how they cover in the league. And then I was like, yo, man, this dude is the real deal. Like, he's better than everybody out here. Like, I saw the separation. I saw, like, you know, like you said, you mentioned the work. But you saw the skill on the court. You saw, you know, the footwork. You saw, like, that, you know, determination to, you know, wield his team, you know. Uh, And you saw him to go on these scoring flurries that were just, like, deflating and demoralizing and he would just come in and he would just strike and like, you know, bury you. And and I was witnessing this. Obviously I was covering, you know, the Hawks then, so he could probably <laughs> he had to go that hard. Dude, he to, yeah. But 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 I, I realized how good he was and I understood it. I understood like all the commentators and everybody what they were saying about him before I started covering the league, which I wasn't really paying attention to because I, I was so caught up in not liking him. And um and then, you know, I, I started to appreciate him just from what I saw, you know, uh, in the work that he put in. And I, I'll never forget, you know, the first time I interviewed him, you know, was uh, was my first year on the full beat, you know, um, working at the AJC. And uh, I split it with Jeff Denberg, you know, rest in peace um, at the time. And he would always spend extra time in Portland with his son because he lived up there. So we we split the West Coast trip. And the the, 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 the Hawks that played the Lakers and – so I convinced the editors to let me stick around a couple of days in L.A., you know, because I was going to get Kobe Bryant. You know, let me stick around for a little bit, see if I can get Kobe. They're like, yeah, go ahead, see what you can do. And I didn't know, I didn't never met him. You know, I had never asked him a question before, but I had sort of said, I'm, I'm going to get Kobe because he had been on this rampage where he was dropping 35, 40 a night, like 13 games in a row. He had 13 straight 35-point games. And so I was like, oh, I got to be there for He's going to keep it going. And the streak ended the night that I showed up. And so I showed up in the locker room and like there's, you know, gang of reporters around around him and I'm just like, I can't even get in here to ask him a question, man. This is this is whack. So I just started walking back around, pacing, trying to figure out, you know, if I'm gonna even be able to get him, because once he's done, he's probably just gonna be done and just, you know, blow me off. And I just walked up to him and I said, Hey man, I'm I'm Michael Lee with the Atlanta Journal Constitution, man. I flew all the way out here to talk to you. And he looked at me. And then I said, uh, I said, you got a minute to talk? And he's like, sure. And we wound up talking for like five, six minutes, you know, about the streak, about, you know, him taking on this leadership role with the, uh, you know, with Shaq being down and just, you know, what it meant for him to be, you know, going out there and doing all this. And he was just giving me these, these real honest, sincere answers. And like, as we walked out, I was like, yo, <laughs> this is crazy. Like, this dude doesn't know me from Adam, and I, I come in here think I'm coming here not liking him. <laughs> now I like him, <laughs> you know, just because, you know, he, he went ahead and gave me this time. And so we're walking out uh, together and just kind of just chit-chatting. And then uh, he kind of pulled away when somebody walked up to him and they gave him this box of Krispy Kreme donuts. And uh, I'll never forget it because I was like, oh, 
Kobe, I mean, he's such a hard worker. He don't eat Krispy Kreme donuts. But he put the Krispy Kreme donuts right under his arm and, and walked out. <laughs> and so I went and grabbed my backpack and, and grabbed my bag, whatever. And I saw so I get ready to walk out to the parking garage to go get my to go to drive home and just drive, you know, feel all excited that I got Kobe one on one. And um, and so as I'm pulling out, there's this horde of fans still camped out outside the, the garage at Staples Center, and they're just waiting for Kobe to come out. And so, you know, Kobe pulls up in this huge SUV and he's at the stop sign, stop, stop light and the crowd, they're just chanting, you know, Kobe, Kobe, Kobe. And they drove off and I watched Kobe drive off and like, I'm looking at the fans and they're all excited that Kobe acknowledged them. And I was like, yeah, I bet y'all don't know he got a box of Krispy Kreme riding shotgun. <laughs> but I mean, I'm sure y'all have y'all favorite, you know, your either your favorite story or your, or your first memory of, of coming across with him. I, I love to hear that from y'all. Yeah, well, I'm I, Mark. Own. Let me let me just let me tell you something before you go, Mark, because I I, right. I need to make sure I mention this. This I've been around. I've been in scrums, interviewed Kobe for many times. I never had personal interaction with him, like one on one type, away from this drama. The the first and only really alone time I ever spent with Kobe was with you, Mark. I know you remember this. It was in Salt Lake City during the playoffs. And I don't even remember what year it was. <laughs> you were there, we, too? We, I forgot that you were no, there, No, dude, that was the name of my yeah. story. Yep, dude, that was me, you, you about when we went to the his bar? security guard. Yes, yes. And I was, and you was like, let's uh, go, tell, we're going to this spot in downtown. Tell me what you yeah. remember, and I'll tell you what I remember. <laughs> okay, yeah, so you were like, we're going to this, you like, hey, man, we're going to, we're going to go eat dinner with Kobe and his uh, security guard. And I was like, I'm, you know, my mind, I'm saying, okay, Mark, you know, because, Mike, you you can attest to this. Spirits has gotten us into more adventures over the last two decades, probably, than anybody else. Especially in Salt Lake. Whether it's Salt Lake City, whether it's driving across the border to Canada and back, you know what I mean? I can just think of some, <laughs> some of the wild it's adventures we've adventure, had. Right? Yeah, like, and you were like, come on, man, look, we're going down to this spot. We went down there early in the afternoon. On the, it was like on a practice day, and there was nobody in the place. It was a two-floor, like, bar, this restaurant bar in Salt Lake City. Nobody there. Me and Mark, we walked in, sat at the table, and he was like, yeah, they're on their way. So I'm thinking they're going to pull up, in, you know, in a car or something, you know. You, you know, you Kobe Bryant, and you're in enemy territory during the playoff series. You're not just going to be walking the streets of Salt Lake City, you know. And literally, I looked out the window, and him and the security guard are walking up. Kobe just had on a sweatsuit, like a normal cat. They walked up like two dudes, just normal. Walked in, sat out the table. And, you know, we all, like, that That was the beginning of a night that seemed like it lasts for 12 hours. I don't even remember what time I got back to the room that night. But um, that was the first time I'd been around him without any of the bells and whistles, without PR people without any of that stuff. And I didn't know him like you do did and do did I'm past tense. I mean like like you did at that time, Mark, and like you did throughout his career. I was not as close to Kobe as you were by any stretch. Um so that was my first time really being up close and personal with him. And I was taken aback yeah, at but- how hilariously matter of fact he was about everything. Like we talk, we talked about everything that night. And and the climate in Salt Lake City changed from pleasant 
calm not evening, you know, weather was good. To by the end of the night, I felt like we was in a movie. Like they had to put put us up in a different part of the bar. They had to block it off with velvet ropes. The restaurant part of the bar went from empty to packed in like literally in a blink of an eye. It was like word had got out that Kobe was in this spot. And apparently everybody in Salt Lake City tried to come to this same spot that night. It was it's fuzzy now because it's been so many years, Mark. I don't even remember what year it was. Um well, no, I think it was uh, 2010, but I'm I'm going to tell you something you forgot, which was hilarious. Uh-huh. So, yeah, my buddy, Lossie Mitchell, who went to San Jose State with, he, he hooked us up with the spot. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I remember them, like, at first, we were, everything was cool, and then, like, people started tripping that, you know, Bean was there, so they kind of made some, like, little VIP area as, yeah, fancy. I guess as one could make it in Salt Lake City, so it was just that they had their own people kind of making sure people didn't come by. But there was this woman that kept like heckling them because if you go look at that series, so the Lakers won the first two games, the Jazz won Game Three in Utah, so there was some hope for the Jazz that they could compete in the series, right? And so this lady comes up, Kobe, you suck. Jazz going to win the series. They going to upset y'all. It's over, blah, blah, blah. And, <laughs> and they were like, somebody was trying to like get her to go away. He's like, no, nah, no, nah, let her keep talking. Let her keep talking. She like running her mouth and everything. And uh, <clears throat> he is one of his buddies or one of our friends. And I won't go into detail about that. Like thought the lady was, you know, cute. And cool, right? And and Kobe picked up on. Right? So he said, "So so you confident y'all gonna win?" He's like, "Yeah." We, she said, "He said, well, if we win, if we beat y'all, then you gotta go to dinner with my homeboy." <laughs> and she's like, well, "I don't know." Da da da. He's like, "Hey, no, you, you said you're gonna win, and if, if you if, if y'all gonna win, you ain't gotta worry about it." And she's like, all right, all right, I'll go to dinner with him if you guys guys win and, uh, and, and the Lakers won the next two games. And she did end up going to dinner with the dude. So that, that, <laughs> that was, like, funny to me. And he's like, well, go to dinner with him, you know? And then so, but uh, he just I, was, I was like, just it was, it was always, too. like, some fun, funny competition, man. It is, yeah. You know, but, well, like, I my my I, favorite – What's that? No, I was going to say the way that I was just shocked at the way people were coming you remember up and that? talking to him. Yeah, I couldn't get over how, like, some people was walking right up to us, Mike, like, walking right up to the little table where we are when they sectioned us off and, like, going at him. And Kobe was going right back at him, just as vicious. Like, not mean, <laughs> but, like, if they came up and said oh, something slick, fun, he'd say something know? just as slick back. Yeah. yeah. And it was like, I thought, man, that's why people lo- loved engaging with the dude because. He he had no pretense about him. Like if you came at him sideways, he'd come right back at you sideways. It, it was also yeah. kind of sad because I'm like, man, he can't go anywhere, bro. Like he, I, I used to like wonder when I first started covering the NBA, like why these dudes got security guards. I understand, man. I definitely understand now. Like you, you need somebody to be the bad guy or to be the protector. He, he couldn't. Uh, 
the way people acted towards him, he could have gotten to something every day. You know what I mean? And so, no, it was um, that was that was a fun, fun, fun night. That was probably the most fun experience I had with him. But I think the most personal one was after his last game at Golden State. Um, you know, he uh, he was in the training room. And, you know, he he had talked to them. I think he had talked to the media already, but I was trying to get some, you know, time with him. Not not even just the interview with him, just to talk to him, catch up with him, you know, which I tried to do a lot, you know, walking with him on the way out and everything. And he actually, I think it's the first and only time a player has done this, invited me to go into the training room in the, lo- in the Warriors uh, visiting locker room at Oracle. And... Uh, so I went in there and we talked for a while and I remember the Spike Lee cameras were on us and I almost wanted to reach out and see if it could like get this footage. But, you know, we had a lot along about a 10, 15 minute conversation and he, uh, he, he asked me about myself, you know, and I remember Tommy Shepard once told me, he said, if you waiting for a hug from an NBA player, you wasting your time. Kobe gave you that hug, man. He, like, literally cared about you more than, you know, you, any any star would even, you know, most, most players, it's a one-way street, you know. But with yeah. him, like, he, yeah. he could tell something was on my mind about kind of my career at the time. And um, I'll, I'll read this to you guys because after I got the job at Undefeated, um, and it was – I'm not going to go into detail about that conversation, but it was really, like, nice of him to even, like, like care. You know what I mean? But he sent me an email back. I was telling him that I got the job at Undefeated, and I'm super excited about it. And, you know, I wanted you to be one of the first people to know because, you know, you were kind of talk. You know, he had talked to me during, you know, when I was trying to figure out my career and everything. And he goes, happy for you, my brother, right from the heart always hear from you. This is on um, March 22nd, 2016, man. So, you know, I always, I, I ain't getting rid of that email, man. You know, no. I, I'm going to keep that email. One of my friends told me I should frame it, you know. So, you know, I just, for him to like send that thing right from the heart, man, that, that, that's always going to stick with me. Yeah. It's, it's, I, I told somebody people are going to be putting together these thoughts about and these experiences they've had with Kobe for a long time, man. I I wanted to make sure I talk. Like I said, I talked to y'all because y'all are two of my best friends, you know. Period. You know, but certainly in the business as well. And um, I, I was listening to everybody else's immediate thoughts about Kobe, and like I said, I just kept thinking y'all are two of the people I know who have had a ton of interactions with him over the years been around him, seen him, been in his orbit, whatever. And, um, and that, you know, and I know we see things differently. We see it through through different sets of eyes. I, I'll never forget being at the London Olympics um, and being around Team USA every day. And there was a bunch of reporters there covering it, um, but I was kind of by myself. I didn't have y'all around. That was one of the rare times when we're covering a USAB event, you know, whatever it might be, and I didn't have – either one of y'all around. Um, but like that connect, you know, like 
Kobe was giving everybody the quality time. And, uh, and I appreciated that. He kind of, he would give me that look. And I think it might've stemmed from that night in Salt Lake City, Mark. Cause I, I had been around well, him before that remember. and he never really gave me a look. But after that night, every time I ever saw him, he shot me this look like, yeah, you was there. Like, I know you remember that night. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, also what's brilliant about it is like, he, he knew all the local beat guys' names. He knew things about them. Yeah. He knew all the national people's names. He knew the importance of making time for the national riders. Like, I would, I got him alone after media day, which I knew he had to be exhausted, you know. Get him after games, you know, sending him um, emails and getting him responses. Like, he truly understood better than any athlete I've ever been around the importance of, you know, building a relationship with, with the media. I mean, he, yeah. I don't know that anybody I, I, will yeah, ever I, be as good as, as uh, uh, good about it as him. Yeah. One of my favorite stories about that, something like that was, I remember I was in LA in 08, the year he won MVP. And, um, and I, I was in, I, don't, I think I had a day off or something. I went to Lakers or practice. So I went to Lakers practice and Allison was there, and she was like, what What are you looking to do? And I was like, well, I'm hoping I can get Kobe. And she was like, uh, that might be tough today because he, he didn't practice. And I was like, oh, man. She's like, yeah, but he's here. He's in the training room. He's getting treatment. And I'll ask him if he, wants, if he wants to do it. And I was like, yeah, if you could, that'd be great. And she's like, well, if he wants to do it, I'll just signal you to just come to the practice court you know, um, I'll just give you a signal because I don't want all the other beat writers to know that he's talking to you tonight cause, or today because, you know, they, they, they know he's not practicing. So just, you know, so if I signal you, come on. And I was like, okay. So everybody interviews all the other players that they're, they're talking. And, um, and I'm like nervously wondering if Kobe's actually going to accept, you know, wanting to do the interview. And then, um, you know, so everybody else is transcribing all their interviews and, and uh, and like I look over at the door, and Allison like gives me a nod, and so I just kind of discreetly like leave out the back door, and then I head onto the court, and um, and then so I stand out there, and about you know a couple seconds later, Kobe pops out, and you know he winds up giving me time, and we talk about you know his MVP chase for the MVP, we talked about you know I told him how I thought he should have won in '06, and like said so now everybody thinks you're a better player, and when you now you got better players around you, and you were laughing about that. He talked about his trade demand and how he had to shake up the trees, you know, to get some things moving, to get the kick us all. And, and it was just great that, like, I was sitting there like, man, this dude, you know, didn't even practice today. You know, he could have just blown it off and said, you know, I'm not, I'm off today. And he knew that I was there and that I needed him because I was in town. And he just gave me that, that moment. And, you know, that stuff like that, that that's, that's why, you know, um, you know, my brother, you know, he actually texted me uh, after the, um, after, you know, he heard about Kobe's death and was like, you know, how are you holding up? And I was like, you know, it's tough, you know. Um, and I said, uh, he said, well, I knew, I knew you knew him pretty well. And I was like, yeah, he was, he was, he was one of my favorites to deal with. And he was like, wow. And he was like, he, and so he texted back. He's like, I know how much you hated him. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I did back in the day. I said, then I met him and that changed everything. And I said, and just being around him, you know, covering him all these years, um, I couldn't come away with anything but having positive feelings about him because just being in his presence, you know, um, I felt good, you know, being in his presence. So um, that's stuff that I'll, I'll take away and, you know, 
just the other day. Uh, I, li- I live out, you know, near his old high school in the Philly area, and I took my son up there just to kind of see, like, this little vigil they had out there. And my son is, like, just – he doesn't know what's going on. He's just looking at all the teddy bears and stuff they have laid out on the ground. He's excited about that. And um, and I don't know, you know, maybe one day, you know, he'll ask me about my job and what I do and who I was able to be around, and he'll hear about Kobe, you know, ask me. And I, I, I feel glad that I'll be able to tell him that I, that I knew him and that – uh that I had a great time, you know, covering them. Yeah, no, I, I, I'll leave you with one, uh, one more story about him. Um, he, and one guy, man, we we all got to say a prayer for is Nico Harrison, his um, right-hand oh, guy with Nike, yeah. man. You know, you know yeah. Nico. I, I always joke with Nico. I was like, the only person, I said, you might, be, you might spend more time with Kobe than his own wife, you know? Like, he, <laughs> he was with Kobe wherever he went, all over the world. And um, so one time I had this, like, Adidas sweatsuit on, some Adidas shoes, and, and I go catch, you know, Kobe before he left practice to, to, you know, get an interview with him. He's always cool, and then he's, like, looking at me like, man, I ain't talking to you. I'm like, why is he tripping? <laughs> I ain't talking to you, man. I can't believe you did that. I'm like, looking at Nico, and Nico's laughing. I'm like, what'd I do? How you gonna wear all that Adidas shit and come try to talk to me? <laughs> you know, and I was like, oh, man. And he like, you know, he had that bad breakup with Adidas, and he got all his Nike stuff on. I was like, Adidas out that day, you know. And like, oh, man. He's like, I ain't talking to you, dude. I ain't talking to you. That's disrespectful, man. <laughs> so... <laughs> I had to like basically like man, I promise you this will never happen again, yeah, man. I promise. So like, what well, you know, he ended up giving me the interview after he gave me a hard time about like being decked out like on some Adidas commercial or something. <laughs> and from that that point on, if I had a one-on-one interview with a player set up, right, or if I was going somewhere and that star, you know, I if I'm going to interview Dame Lillard, I got Adidas on. Or if I'm going to interview Steph Curry, I got some Under Armour on. You know, if I go interview Kevin Durant, I got yep. Nikes on. You know what I mean? Like right. because of that incident, like I'm like these dudes. Like we think they don't pay attention to stuff, man. They do. You know what I mean? Like I, I feel like I gotta be respectful to you know what they rock with. So <laughs> if, if if they wear if, if it's Clay and he got a shoe company. I can't. I don't even have the shoes, the antas or whatever he wears. Antas. Yeah, wear get the antas. Yeah, I got to get, no get your game so up on them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know how much time what? we have with Sekou, but I, I did want to say one thing about yeah. you know missing the Olympics. Mark, do you remember how he was a deity in China? How everywhere that, that oh, he went, was, uh, I mean, nobody in, cared in China, about LeBron or D Wade. Oh no, he he was. He was the only athlete that might have been more popular than Yao Ming. Oh, for at sure. At the Olympics. Right? Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, they it was like it was like it was like Jesus had showed up, you know, and come back to play basketball. That in like just walking around that arena. Because, uh, like they had to keep remember they had to cut off a whole section when they watched games because the in fans yeah. would just be camped out. All around, like I'm talking about, hundreds of fans would just, you know, stand around that section that they had blocked off, just so they could just look at Kobe. Like the game is going on, but 
but they're crowding around the team to just look at Kobe. And when he moved, they moved where he moved. You know, and think about the way he hit the people react to him in the in the NBA rings. Like I saw yeah. literally his last year, grown men wearing head to floor Lakers hookups, going to in in visiting arenas, going to watch Kobe. Like this, you talk about a deity in China. Yeah, Mike. Well, he was, he, I don't think he was he, better. Than, he was bigger than the royal family in London. I'm telling you. Yeah, but 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 that's why I don't think he really went to games because he knew if he went to a game then the attention was all going to be on him. Especially, I think, when LeBron first got there. Like, he didn't – I don't. I think his first game was when he got his jersey retired. First time he went to a game. And, and I only think it's because of his daughter Gigi's love for basketball that he was even starting to go to games now. Like, I went to a yeah. Hawks game to get and, – and, from the Trey Young diary we're doing, I don't think he would ever want to go see the Hawks play on a Sunday night, right? But <laughs> Gigi was a big fan of Trey Young. So he he was there. And if you see the video of Trey Young, man, just pouring in emotion, um, crying, mom hugging him, like after yeah, that game in L.A., he got time with Kobe and it, it was – but Kobe was excited they'd see him because his daughter was a fan of Trey Young's and they they all got time together that Trey really, really cherished, you know. So I think we you know, if he was still with us, he he probably would have been a game a lot more games because that was something that they truly bonded on was a game of basketball. We we go I've chewed up enough of y'all's day and I know we're gonna talk Kobe more uh, before it's all said and done and I'm I'm looking forward to seeing y'all in a few weeks in Chicago during All Star Weekend. I know oh, y'all yeah. be there. We people talk about taking things for granted. That's the one other thing, and I'll, and we'll close on this. That's the one other thing about the sudden nature of you know that incident and the passing of those nine people that's really hit home. Is just you don't tell you you know the the people you care about, the people you love. You know, that you love them all the time. You don't remind them of it. You don't speak to them every day. So it's like when you're not in somebody's immediate orbit all the time, you kind of take it for granted. That's the that's the good thing. I know we don't take that for granted that time. Um, you know, and, and I appreciate y'all being in my corner and holding me down all the time and, and being there when I need it. And I hope I do the same for, for both of y'all and the rest of our um, inner circle, you know, in this life, man, because it, it does hit home, you know, that, no, you know, certain things in this in this life are, are simply not guaranteed. And to have another day to be able to talk about it, to be able to share like that, man, that's what that's what makes this enjoyable for me. That's what makes me feel good knowing uh, the hard road ahead for his family and the families and everybody else involved. That uh, that we'll have great memories, great stories to share, and hopefully get a chance to share them for a long time to come. So I appreciate y'all taking some time this morning, man. Absolutely, man. I love, love you, brother. Man. Yeah, man. No doubt. We are on side. Yeah, yeah. No question. Appreciate it. Thanks, man. Appreciate y'all. Once again, I need to make sure we thank Mark Spears of ESPN's The Undefeated and Michael Lee of The Athletic for taking some time out of what I know are busy days for them. 
um, as we all try and figure out how to, to deal in the aftermath of, of the loss of Kobe Bryant, his daughter Gianna, and seven others in that helicopter crash in Calabasas, California. I appreciate you taking whatever time you did and, and enduring with us. And I promise you we'll, we'll be back. We'll be stronger and we'll, and we'll, we'll all keep in mind, you know, the contributions that have been made to this game and, and to everything else that we, we hold dear by Kobe Bryant. Um, we'll be back right here next week on the hang time podcast. An epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. See how to elevate your live sports experience at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. When you're an American Express Platinum card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, Shoot that, shoot that! And even, Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. See how to elevate your experiences at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Terms apply.